One thing I know for certain is that a stroke is no joke. Cyrus Wittig here with you on ESPN West Palm tonight. And I am joined now by Dr. Daniel Veladuarte, a neurointerventionalist with the Palm Beach Neuroscience Institute, neurology practice in West Palm Beach, Florida. Dr. Veladuarte specializes in detection and endovascular treatment of brain aneurysms and acute ischemic stroke, as well as arteriovenous malformations in the brain, spinal, and geography, tinnitus, and increased intracranial hypertension. Dr. Veladuarte is board certified in general neurology and vascular neurology with the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. Dr. Veladuarte is also on staff at St. Mary's Medical Center and Del Rey Medical Center. And Dr. Veladuarte, first off, thanks so much for being here. I want to start by talking about Chris Letang, a Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman, possible Hall of Famer one day, who reportedly suffered his second stroke in 2022 at the age of 35. And luckily, Letang reported his stroke symptoms to experience. Training staff was immediately rushed to the hospital. Dr. Veladuarte, what are the symptoms of a stroke? And, and can you share with us the BFAST acronym, which can be very helpful to learn and to recognize the symptoms of a stroke? So, Cyrus, the, uh, the symptoms of a stroke depend basically where the, the damage happened, where the, the blood clot is, if it is, if it compromises the anterior part of the circulation in the brain and the, or the posterior part. But in general, the acronym that we have been using, thanks to all the campaigns from the American Heart Association, is, is very simple to remember. It's called Be Fast. You want to be fast when you spot a stroke. You want to help your relative. You want to help your friend. And so the B stands for, for balance. Any, any sudden um, onset of balance issues, walking issues, that the person cannot control the body, kind of leans towards the side, that, that's a, a problem with balance. The E part is eyes. So B, balance, eyes. Um, you want to make sure that there's no vision deficit. There might be vision loss out of one eye. Usually it's one, not two. You want to check the, the expression of the patient. So remember, be fast. So face, the a smile may look uneven or uh, a little deviated, like a droopy t- type mm. of expression. If, they, if you check the, the mouth of, of, the, of the patient in this case. Their arm, one of the arms may drift down, maybe uh, weaker than the other one. So you ask the, the individual to hold them, hold both arm in, arms in the air, and uh, one of, of the, the affected side will have the, the arm drifting, or it's basically too heavy that the patient cannot really lift it up. Um, a speech, they will be able to, they would not be able, or the, the patients will not be able to articulate well, even comprehension, the understanding of, of a spoken language is going to be compromised. They, they can be completely mute. Or uh, they basically have, could have what we call word salad, totally unrelated words, made-up words that are not comprehensible to our, our regular, uh, in a regular situation. So speech is going to be completely slurred, right? And then the, the last letter of the acronym is time. So you want to be fast, remember. And time is essential here. These are symptoms that we cannot wait on, we cannot sit on. The patient is not supposed to, to go to bed and sleep through the symptoms, hoping that they're going to get better. You have to call 911 right away. There's no hesitation here. 
again here with Dr. Daniel Veladuarte from St. Mary's Medical Center and Delray Medical Center. And Dr. Veladuarte, just that the last part of the BFAST acronym, again, TIME, call 911 right away. I've also heard the term time is brain and, and time lost is brain lost. Why is timing and getting care so important in terms of the, the uh, handling of a stroke and hopefully minimizing the effects of a stroke? A stroke happens because there's a blockage in the brain. And the longer you wait, the longer the, the tissue of that part of the brain is going to be deprived of oxygen and nutrients. And that, that tissue that is being deprived is going to suffer. It may not recover at all. So, of course, you, don't, you cannot wait on this. You have to call 911 immediately. That's the most important thing. Millions of neurons are going to die very fast immediately after there is a blood clot in one of the main arteries of the brain. Why? Because they, the, the neurons are the cells in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the tissue of the brain. They are completely dependent on, of, on oxygen and, and energy. So if there is a blood clot, there's no blood flow supplying that, those neurons. And that's why we just have to call fast. Dr. Veloduarte, what are the different types of stroke and how do they affect the brain and an individual's well-being maybe in different ways? So we have two types of, of a stroke or brain attack. The one that I just mentioned, the, the blood clot blocking off the, the entire blood flow in one of the main arteries or the main stem arteries of, of the brain, be in the front of the brain or in the back part, like towards your, your, your neck. And that's what we call ischemic stroke. There is a, a blood clot that just gets stuck at a certain branch, and that area suffers from lack of oxygen and, and nutrition for those, for those neurons. And then the, the hemorrhagic stroke. So when there is a, a hemorrhage or a brain bleed, there are multiple causes, but the most common cause of hemorrhagic stroke is actually a sudden rise in the blood pressure. Sometimes the blood pressure is so high or elevated that it bursts an, ar an artery. It can burst a, a, a small artery and a small vein. The, the second most common after that one is, is actually an aneurysm. So this is a word that a lot of people, a lot of you have not heard ever. What is an aneurysm? It's a, it's a pouch, so like a little bubble that grows off the, the wall of the artery over time. And this is a condition that, unfortunately, there is no good way to screen it. So cancer sometimes, you know, we have imaging, we have uh, CT scans, et cetera, et cetera. But aneurysms, we have imaging as well. But there's no way to know whether one of us, God forbid, have one of those mm -hmm. aneurysms. And these pouches continue growing off the artery until they get to a certain size. And the pulsatility, the, the constant movement of blood flow hits on that weakened wall where, where the, of the dome of the aneurysm, and it bursts it. Mm. More than 50% of the individuals that unfortunately suffered from this type of a stroke or, or a ruptured uh, intracerebral or brain aneurysm would unfortunately die because of the complications of the brain bleed or because of all the medical complications that the body will suffer after a pro prolonged hospitalization, even if we try our best. And there are other um, other causes that are less frequent related, what we call uh, vascular malformations. And, and they are essentially, you know, to put it in simple words for you, tangles of vessels, mm. intermixed 
areas where where you encounter veins and arteries and there's a connection of an artery and a vein where sh there should not be any and those um, they just tend to, to burst sometimes as well. Again, here with Dr. Daniel Veladuarte, neurointerventionalist with the Palm Beach Neuroscience Institute. And Dr. Veladuarte, according to CBS Sports, the cause of Latang's stroke back in 2014 was due to a small hole in his heart that never healed itself. Dr. Veladuarte, again, we, we've heard a, a stroke referenced as a brain attack, but again, how much uh, does a stroke you know, have to do with, again, the heart and the cardiovascular function? When there's mention of, of a little hole in the heart, we immediately think of something called patent foramen ovale. It's a little hole that is, it, it, it remains patent over our, our early years. And it's part of the early formation or, or the embryologic uh, stage where, where the, the heart is being formed in the, in the fetus. Mm. That hole is supposed to just close on its own by natural physiologic mechanisms once the, the baby is born. In some individuals, it's been said that it's probably found in, in one of each four individuals. That little hole can be small, can be big, and so it's present. There is communication between the chambers of the heart and uh, a blood clot can form in one of these chambers, pass, the, the clot can pass through the, the hole, and it gets ejected or pumped all the way up to the circulation of the brain. And then again, the same, the same mechanism mm -hmm. that the clot would get stuck in one of those, those arteries, and that's probably what happened. So, Dr. Veladuarte, it was found that Latang's, the, the hole in Latang's heart that caused his stroke was congenital. How common is a stroke, you know, caused by a congenital prefactor, you know, something that somebody is born with versus, uh, you know, factors that they have, uh, I guess, acquired during their lifespan? So it's one of the less common causes of a, of, of a stroke, although if you take the population of young adults, it's one of the certainly one of the mechanisms you have to rule out. We study ischemic stroke in, in, in the elderly differently to the way we study it in, in younger people. In younger people, you look at structural defects in the, in the formation of the heart. You look at these abnormal communications between the chambers. You look at genetic excessive clotting disorders. We look at substance abuse and, and other um, external factors in, in young adults. Having said that, the genetic causes and, and structural causes are, are less common. Again, here on ESPN West Palm tonight with Dr. Daniel Veladuarte, a neurointerventionalist with the Palm Beach Neuroscience Institute. Dr. Veladuarte is board certified in general neurology and vascular neurology with the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. He is on staff at St. Mary's Medical Center and Del Rey Medical Center. And again, St. Mary's Medical Center is a comprehensive stroke center. Dr. Veladuarte, what types of advanced technology and treatment options do you use at St. Mary's Medical Center to treat strokes? The most important mechanism to treat a stroke these days is what we call endovascular or neuroendovascular therapy. If the patient comes into the hospital or is brought to the hospital on time within the frame of 24 hours and there is a demonstration of, on imaging, 
of a blood clot blocking off the, the artery of, of, of interest, then we can access the body through the, one of the main arteries in the, in the body, which is the femoral artery, and we thread or navigate catheters that are telescoped, a system of catheters that are telescoped in, uh, among themselves to reach the circulation of the brain, and we basically and literally aspirate the clot, suck the clot out once it's identified. There are other devices that are called stand retrievers, and it's a, it's a small mesh that engulfs the, the clot, pulls it out, and in combination with these stand retrievers and aspiration catheter, we aim to restore, reestablish the blood flow by, by taking it out of, 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 of the artery uh, affected. So that's, that's one of the main technology. And of course, these days we count with, with advanced imaging, fast MRI, fast uh, uh, CT scans. The, the angiography machines have improved to, to the point that we, we are able to navigate in, in millimetric vessels. And, and every, uh, every year, every couple of years, we, it seems that we, we're, we're reaching far distal uh, where back in the day, 10 years ago, uh, those clots that were stuck in the smallest arteries uh, were basically unreachable. Dr. Valduarte, you talked about you know, things just being you know, unreachable, maybe untreatable. How far has stroke care come in the last you know, 5, 10, 20 years? You know, what are the, some of the things that we can do now that just weren't possible, uh, 20, again, in the last decade or so? Neurology, and I, of course, I have my, my own bias, neurology, neurosurgery, neurointerventional surgery, and I would say cancer are one of the most exciting areas in medicine because they have evolved rapidly in the last 10 years. Mm. The paradigm of treating a stroke back in the 90s was based on, on an IV medication that was effective, of course, and, and we all used it at some point, and we still do. And that medication is supposed to soften or break down the clot to restore the blood, the, the blood flow. Nowadays, um, we count with tremendous technology and it's all result or resultant of clinical trials, incredible efforts of uh, different university centers across the US and, and Europe to recruiting thousands of patients to demonstrate that these catheter-based therapies are effective. Uh, recently, the, there were uh, two clinical trials demonstrating something that we have been done before, which is thrombectomy or, or retrieving or you know, removing the blood clot from the, from the back part of the brain. But there were no trials demonstrating the benefit that these patients indeed recover. So in medicine, you have to demonstrate everything with clinical trials. And so we, we've come far demonstrating that these, these uh, interventions are effective, that they have uh, an outcome, an impressive outcome in the, in the quality of, of life uh, of, the, of the affected patients. Um, and I think not only from the stroke perspective, but in general neurointerventional surgery or what we do in interventional neurology, there are other um, therapies that are coming along like treating uh, eventually treating tumors with um, putting a catheter in the, in the, in the artery that is, is, is feeding that tumor and possibly uh, treat, treat the tumor with, with chemotherapy from, from inside the artery, infu infusing medications for other conditions. 
addressing neurosurgical conditions that were only treatable with open surgery at that time. And um, basically, this is, this is a field that is becoming less and less invasive mm -hmm. compared to other techniques. And, and that's been developed uh, for the last, incredibly, for the last five years or so. Dr. Veladuarte, I hate to do this to you, but I think we're just about out of time here on ESPN West Palm tonight. But uh, we're going to have you back on next week to, to finish the rest of this conversation. This has been extremely informative, and I want to make sure you know we, we kind of cover the gamut and touch on many more things when it comes to stroke and stroke care. So we're going to cut it off and, and say goodnight for, for now. But again, we will be back and talk with Dr. Daniel Veladuarte and, and some more great guests next week on ESPN West Palm tonight. Have a great fourth, everybody.